The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Yeah, thank you for that first period of time. It was very sweet to have those three discussion groups. And I don't know, it probably was sweet for you, but it, was, it had a kind of more of a sweetness than we usually have for these discussions. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, anyway, I appreciated just being in the room with all of you as you were having your huddles. So, um, so for the, for the next session now, I'd like to also begin with a short meditation. Um, won't be very long, maybe 10, 15 minutes or so. And then um, we'll do a little guided uh, kind of Part of it partly is to a kind of reflection, guided reflection during the meditation that will uh, lead into the theme for the next session before our lunchtime. So why don't you take a comfortable meditation posture. Gently close your eyes. And take some long, slow, deep breaths. Breathing in deeply is a way of connecting to your body, to here and now. And breathing out is a way of relaxing, settling in. Letting your breath, your breathing, return to normal. And take a few minutes to calmly, deliberately settle into your body. Maybe by scanning through your body, part by part, section by section of your body, to relax, open up, settle in.
letting go of your thoughts, letting your thinking mind relax, settle. Letting that place inside of you that drives your thinking, letting that place inside of you trust that it's okay to relax. It's okay not to figure something out or think. Thoughts will come. But in the trusting mind, you can let go. And then as we're sitting here, I'm going to suggest certain things you might contemplate and consider. And as you're considering them, see if you can remember these things or think of them in the context of the body being settled here, breathing easily. Stay connected to your body while you give yourself the opportunity to think and contemplate these topics. So, spanning, looking back over your life, There are many motivations that come into play around our sexuality. Many influences on what motivates us in relationship to our sexuality. And one of the motivating factors sometimes can be fear. Over your lifetime, what has been the role or the place that fear has played for you in your sexuality.
In what way has fear had a role, influence on the desire for sexual relationships or the desire not to have or the avoidance of sexual relationships? Then over the course of your life, what role or what motivating force has anger or aggression had in your, in your sexuality? Have you had any experience, any times where there's been anger or hostility or aggression that was influencing your sexuality, your sexual expression or desire? And then finally, what has been the role or the influence of lust on your sexuality?
So then finally of these three, fear, anger, fear, aggression, or lust, which of these has been, had the biggest influence, bigger influence on you and your sexuality? And then to end this sitting, you can take a deep breath or two, feel your body. When you're ready, open your eyes. Mindful Steps to an Ethical Life emphasizes the role of mindfulness and what's going on for us. And in terms of our sexuality, it's possible to be mindful of what motivates our sexual behavior. And there is a wide range of motivations. And uh, in the afternoon, we'll look at some of the wholesome or skillful motivations. But for right now, I'd like to do the what in Buddhism we call the unskillful motivations. Unskillful because the consequences are not beneficial. And so because the consequences of these motivations are not beneficial for us, they're considered unskillful or unuseful or unbeneficial. And um, so I'd like to suggest that there are times when fear, aggression, and lust are not skillful. So what I'd like you to do is to explore this topic. And again, I have a couple of different steps in this discussion. But the first is um, explore uh, in what way... Did, uh, did, uh, so sit in, your, in the groups. It can be the men have to sit with the same group, but the women, if you want to mix it, you know, it's a, uh, but it's the same, same numbers. Um, or you can sit the same groups if you like. And, um, but start with... Um, uh, so there, there was three things I talked about: fear, and then I don't know how what word you prefer, but anger, aggression, hostility. It can be mild, very mild, just so you maybe find yourself in it, um, and lust. So go go around their circle clockwise, and each person contributes something relatively short. This is not the time for a long story. But relatively short, it doesn't have to be, you know, really succinct, but not drawn out either. About uh, how fear, as a motivating 
when fear motivates or fear influences our sexuality, how the consequences of it are unbeneficial, can be unbeneficial. I mean, sometimes it's beneficial, right? I'm not getting close to that person. <laughs> but uh, how is it, um, you know, how is it not beneficial? Make sense? So we're looking at the consequences of, a- of, motiv- of action that's motivated by fear in the realm of sexuality. So go around, everyone contributes something. It doesn't have to be personal, just, you know, just go around. And then do it for anger, hostility, whichever your preferred word is. And then do it for lust. That make sense? Um, and then, um, uh, and then have a more open discussion about what you think would be the consequence of careful attention, careful mindfulness of these motivating factors inside of us. When there's fear, when there's hostility, when there is uh, lust. If we really bring attention to it, really are honest about it, and really fully kind of are present, this is what's going on for me. What are the consequences then? How, how, what, what, what results, what, what results, what follows from a greater mindfulness of these three motivating factors? So is that, to go over that again, it's a number of steps. So you go around and uh, uh, three times, relatively short, one for each of these three things, fear, anger, lust. And you offer something to the circle about what, um, uh, what are the negative consequences of uh, uh, having sexual, in your sexuality, sexual behavior, if you're motivated or influenced by each of those. And once you've gone around three times, then have a more open discussion about what you think the consequences might be if you bring a lot of careful attention and honesty to these motivating factors when they're there. Does that make sense? No one's nodding their head. <laughs> okay, so um, the men can do me, same, same places maybe. Uh, if uh, you, the women want to switch it up a little bit, you're welcome if you'd like or as you wish. There, stay where you are or you could come back to where you were sitting before. And we'll just have a little debriefing before lunch. longer than I anticipated with that discussion because it just seemed so nice listening to you. It just, I didn't hear what you said, but just the way you seemed to be engaged in the conversation felt meaningful. Was it meaningful to have it? Was it nice? So I didn't want to interrupt. The, um, I, w- I wonder if there can be some uh, one person from each group who could just say something about some gist, some flavor of the discussion of each group. Anybody willing to make make an effort, just a minute or so of each? Just for the sake of those of us, those who weren't in the groups.
Um, I guess, uh, well, uh, um, my general impression was that um, each one of us could relate to what each other one of us said. So I felt there was some universality to what we were talking about as men. Uh, Even though each of us raised different issues related to the, uh, the various topics, um, but they were familiar, I think, to all of us. Great, thank you. It's nice to recognize that. Something that we want to keep so intensely private, we share with everyone else. <laughs> that, I, it, it seemed like some of it were like my deepest secrets, and, and they had the same one. <laughs> Great, thank you. Someone from the other two groups, please. Be nice to hear. <laughs> One thing briefly, and they can add uh, if they want, but um, we found that uh, with fear and anger, it was hard to separate them from each other, mm. or sometimes they were. Yeah, entangled. Yes, together. closely connected. Yes, that's often the case. Um, I was going to say that uh, fear and anger are connected, but um, especially in fear, in our group we touched on the basic fears, which are the the fear of being abandoned the fear of loneliness, and also the fear of feeling not good enough. Great. So thank you. Um, so what, uh, there are many functions for the discussion you had, but one of the, fun- one of the things I was trying to convey, what, what I want to convey is that um, here again, we could be mindful of some aspects of sexuality without bringing in the question of ethics, right? We can, uh, we can explore it now in some very deep, intimate way about the relationship to the fear that's part of it, the relationship to anger or frustration, if you will, and lust. And, um, and uh, I think most people will find in their sexual life that those, one of those three will appear from time to time. Um, uh, it's one of the most intense forces in the human being, the f- desire, f- desire for sexuality, for contact, for intimacy. And uh, it's easily frustrated. There's, we don't have a chance for it. We have other people want too much of it from us. There's the, in, not in harmony with sexual desires with our partner, if we have one. Um, there's so many different ways in which, you know, uh, it's such an important force that it doesn't get fulfilled just exactly the right way that we wish and one response to things not being what we want is anger, fear, more desire, greed, lust, you know, other things as well. Resentment is a part of anger, yeah, a version of anger. And, uh, and then it's interesting to look at uh, to the degree to which these are motivating forces. Do we act because of having these? 
And do we act in our sexual lives? Does these these forces, these these emotions of of uh, fear and aggression and lust, do they influence how we behave sexually, how we relate to the whole world of sexuality? And do we do, does it affect us in a beneficial way or not beneficial way? And so the the general now we get into the ethics of Buddhism. The general f- focus in Buddhist ethics is to look at the consequences to look at what is the effect it has on the people involved, including ourselves. Does it cause harm or, does it, or is it beneficial? And so uh, rather than looking at sexuality from the point of view of some pure standard of purity or, um, you know, um, or some, you know, some standard that this is right and this is wrong in some absolute sense, moral, moral sense, the beginning point of Buddhist ethics is to uh, investigate and analyze uh, is there harm being caused or is what's being done, is it beneficial, is it useful, is it skillful? And, um, and then to keep investigating. So one of the questions I asked you, I don't know if you have time to discuss it, was what happens when you bring a lot of attention and honesty to the fact that fear and anger and lust is motivating you in relationship to sexuality. What happens to your behavior then? Does it change? Does it change it? Did you, did you discuss that at all? Didn't get to that. There's a lot to cover. Some of you did. Your group did. Do you want to say something? Um, just at the very end, I think uh, it would uh, shift away from. Those impulses by, by shift away from, but from the negative, yeah. you know, by just investigating would sort of take the energy away from the the negative, mm-hmm. you know, resentment or anger yeah. by by actually observing and seeing it uh, would bring sort of an, a clearer seeing of a situation and sort of take the energy away from. Great, great. So seeing it clearly takes the energy away from it. It doesn't have such a big force uh, influence on us. And along with that, we also talked about um, the risk, you know, that, that there's a big risk when you look at the consequences and you act um, maybe more in an honest way. Act more? You act in an honest way. An honest way. So the, that there, is, there, there could be a risk to the relationship. Great. So if you look at the consequences, look at the motivation, uh, there could be... Uh, we behave better. better. So... Um, so these are some of the areas of paying attention to, uh, to the area of sexuality. There's, you know, and um, and there is. Uh, I think it's useful, uh, you know, in the Buddhist analysis, to look at sexuality from the idea of skillful and unskillful sexuality, rather than kind of put all sexuality into one basket. It's all bad or something. It's either skillful and unskillful, and then in terms of skillful sexuality. Um, how far can that skillfulness go? How beneficial can it be? Can it be part of the path of spiritual growth in Buddhism? I think that's one of the big topics, very interesting topics. Is sexuality something we you know, put aside? It's what we do in our bedroom, perhaps. And you know, we basically, it's nothing to do with my, my Buddhist path and practice. Or is it included as part of the practice because it is a way of engaging in sexual life, or sexuality, whether it was celibate or an asexual or sexual, engage in it to relate to it in such a way 
then it supports us on the path to spiritual freedom, that Buddhism says. And so it's also possible then to look at the, our, our sexual life from the perspective of what's called the Eightfold Path. And uh, sexuality is barely mentioned in there. Uh, what it mentions is um, <clears throat> don't, one, of the, one of the factors of Eightfold Path is right action. And in right action, there's uh, don't misuse sexuality. That's it. That's all it says. Um, but I think that uh, it's such an important area of human life that it probably deserves here in the West a ninefold path. And, uh, and right sexuality is, is probably deserves its own, its own place on this, on this eightfold path. And so that's going to be the topic of when we come back after lunch is um, now to look at, if, if, if looking at fear and aggression and lust kind of helps us to understand what could be called unskillful or wrong sexuality, if you have the eightfold path, you have the right and wrong factors of each one, um, uh, then uh, how, do we, how do we embrace or look at or engage in our sexual life so that it becomes uh, you know, right sexuality, so it puts us on the path that's supportive of our life and our spiritual life as well. So, um, does that sound okay? So, uh, we'll take about an hour for lunch. We're, uh, we're behind schedule, probably fine. We don't have to do it all. We can't, we can't do the whole topic you know, in six hours today. So we're content with how far as we get with it. And, um, but let's, let's try to start in here if we can at 1.30. It gives us 55 minutes. And those who have been here before know we put out tables. Probably it's too cold to go outside to eat, but you're welcome to if you want. But put up tables and chairs and you're welcome to talk. You're welcome to continue the conversation uh, if you like. Um, and, um, and then we'll start again at 1.30. Thank you.